Welcome to the She Seeks Truth podcast, where life-changing conversations and detailed studies through the most important book ever written happen weekly. Each episode is a message of truth and vulnerability to motivate change. We're kicking off season two with our series called Living Free, Mental Health and the Healer. We are talking real women, real scripture, and gaining real freedom from the ultimate healer. I'm so excited you're here with us. Grab your Bible, get cozy, and stay a while. Hey, hey, beautiful people. I'm so glad you're with us because the journey to freedom starts now. Today, we're talking anxiety. Now, anxiety is our body's natural response to stress. It's a feeling of fear or apprehension that might come and go. However, anxiety disorder is a feeling of fear that's with us at all times. Often, it's intense and debilitating and might cause us to stop doing things that we enjoy. What you might not know is the Bible is filled with examples of men and women who struggled with anxiety. Gideon, who was chosen out of an entire village of men and labeled a man of valor, yet multiple times demonstrated anxiety and doubt. Mary and Joseph in Luke 2 actually lost Jesus and say, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. Peter, of course, when he goes to walk out towards Jesus from off the boat, begins to sink because his anxiety suddenly told him he couldn't do it. We see anxiety in the world around us at unprecedented levels. One in 13 people will experience anxiety. In fact, anxiety is the most common mental illness in the U.S., leaving 6.8 million adults to suffer each year. And 75% of people who suffer will remain untreated. In today's lesson, we will unfold Martha, a woman of practicality. Though we aren't given an abundance of details surrounding her story, I think that's exactly the purpose, to point us towards him. Not flaws in who we are, but who we can be in Jesus. Today we will be reading from Luke chapter 10. It's four months before the crucifixion, during the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah, and it's December and freezing. Luke 10 verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Martha and Mary, along with their brother Lazarus, were dear friends to Jesus who lived in Bethany. Bethany is a small village and biblical site on the eastern slopes of Mount Olives, just two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus here is showing up without any warning with his closest friends. But Martha was considered the woman of the home, a wonderful host, a great cook. And as to be expected, Martha welcomes Jesus in and has every intention of putting her best foot forward. Verse 39 through 40. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. We soon discover that somewhere between the welcome and the work, Martha's attitude changes. Immediately we're given a picture of Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking him up, leaving Martha to the entire workload. Now the word also means that Martha has also sat at the feet of Jesus and listen closely. However, this would not be that occasion. She is busy preparing the meal in her home for her guest. Continuing on with verse 40, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. The word approach here actually means to get into his face, a bold and brass tactic. 
While Martha wasn't getting the help from her sister Mary, it wasn't that Mary was lazy. She had prepared just as Martha had. It was simply that Mary took the time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, Martha also did nothing wrong in working hard for Jesus. That was good. Her problem was that she became distracted with much serving. She was distracted from Jesus. Verse 41, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. We can almost sense the love in Jesus' voice here. Jesus knew her schedule, the checklist of to-dos, just as he knows yours. Yet still he knew his presence, God himself, was needed most. How many moments have you missed out on fulfilling the checklist? Mary made the choice to say yes to something, but no to something else. Are you drawing those same lines? So many times we think, I wish I had time to read. I wish I had time to study more. I wish I could go to that Bible study. But are you saying yes to something that could use a no and no to Jesus when he deserves a yes? You see, Martha did the good thing. She wanted to serve Jesus, but she did not do the one thing needed more. Jesus is the one thing we need to reset, reframe, and regroup. Now, before anyone thinks, wait, so you're telling me Martha was anxious and worried about a few too many house guests? Well, I've got real issues. Turn with me to John 11. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Many of the Jews had joined the women to comfort them. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask, ask of God, God will give you. I'm not sure if you've ever mourned the loss of someone close to you. If not by death, then maybe due to addiction or bad decisions. Loss changes the entire course of your life in a moment and is reason alone to be worried and anxious. So what's the cure to anxiety? I'm not talking about a list of verses to memorize and chant anytime you're filled with worry. You see, I did that for so many years and would wonder why anxiety still had a tendency to find me. Instead, I want to talk about what God says to your fears, what God says to your trouble, and what God says to your valley. Number one, give your life to Christ. While I hope each of you have already made this first step, if you haven't, it looks like acknowledging the wrong turns and asking God into your heart. Number two, give your lifestyle to Christ. Y'all, I can't get God results outside of God's design. If I want the life He promises, I have to adopt the lifestyle He commands. For most of us, our life is centered around work. In fact, I heard someone once say, the rhythm of our lives sounds like a Rihanna song. Work, 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 na-na-na-na, work, 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 something, something, work, 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 work. So I work, and I have no idea what's happening in the middle, but yet I work some more, and then I work some more. 
but our life might seem good for a season, but our life isn't good this way. But John 10.10 says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When Christ is the center of our life, everything else not only falls into place, but it falls into place in a super abundance, unspeakable, incomprehensible joy, strength, and hope. Number three, rest in Jesus. We live in a self-care saturated culture, yet self-care is slapping a band-aid on a wound that needs stitches. It's merely a temporary fix to a very serious issue, but self-care through Jesus is God's care. I keep seeing these posts, love yourself, put you first, but this is a lie. Do not love yourself first. Do not put yourself first. There is nothing further from the truth of the gospel. Jesus himself says in Matthew 22, 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Billy Graham once said that it is no mistake Jesus himself listed the heart first. The heart is the center of life. It beats over a hundred thousand times every 24 hours, contracts 4,000 times an hour, and pumps over 28 pounds of blood through your entire body every four minutes. Scripture tells us that the heart is the basis of all emotion, belief, even doubt. John 14, 15 says that if you love me, keep my commands. So are you doing that? Are you lusting, coveting, using foul language, consuming content that you shouldn't, taking pleasure in other people's sin, lying, gossiping, judging? There are over a thousand and fifty commands in the New Testament alone, and we should be doing our part to intentionally obey each of them if we truly love God with all our heart. In fact, it is physically impossible to love yourself first, but love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Instead, when we love God first, everything else, like we said in the last one, falls into place. Our lives will be filled with the hope, joy, and peace that we are craving right now. Number four, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Have you ever grabbed your Bible, opened it up to a random page, and said, God, speak to me? And then it's something like Genesis 25, 30, let me eat some of that red stuff. And you're like, oh, okay, God, no, not that one. It's because God wants to speak to us specifically and consistently. He is not a random God. He needs you to pick up the word of God daily with intent, read it, study it, understand it. I'm not talking a devotional, a Bible app, or verse of the day, but the stripped down acoustic set of God in the Bible, because in it lies the direction for our lives. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. Number five, let go of your control. Peter says, cast all your anxiety and worry onto God because he cares for you. First Peter 5, 7. Cast it like a net, throw it out to sea because God knows how to care for that thing, problem, situation far better than you do. Yet so many times as believers, we give it to God in the morning, but by noon, we are slowly picking it back up saying, oh, oh, hey God, um, you know what? It's lunchtime and I was just thinking I might overthink it a bit longer. Um, and in fact, you know what? I might even have a plan. And then by dinner time, we're crying out to God saying, God, what do I do? You promised to take this from me, but yet here it is. And it feels like my world is shattering. Where are you? But God said, cast it, let it go entirely. Because when we do, we are saying, 
You are bigger, you are greater, you are more powerful. You know how to carry my anxieties so much better than I do. Thank you for getting me out of my last season. I know that you can do it again and you will. Max Lucado says, casting is an intentional act to relocate an object. Let this throwing be your first response to any and every bad news. As you sense anxiety welling up inside of you, cast it into the direction of Christ. Number six, resist fear and shut down the lie. Resist the temptation to retreat and hunker down. This is the time for faith, the season for God-based hope. Oftentimes, we avoid community when we need it most. Eventually, our hiding gets us feeling isolated, discouraged, afraid, worried, and anxious. Soon, it's no longer a feeling, it's our identity. Suddenly, we aren't hiding, we are lost. It is in these moments you should run into the arms of community who can hold you accountable, pray over you, lift you up, and better you. Number seven, press on during tragedy. We are talking about the God who parted the Red Sea. He's let the blind see, the deaf hear. He can mend your relationship. He can get you out of the pit. He can fix those finances. He can change every insecurity. But that doesn't mean no work on your part. God said to the lame in John chapter five, do you want to be healed? Then get up because the first step is yours. Now you might be asking, but why does God allow his people to suffer? You see, Jesus' love is not pampering, it's perfecting. Jesus allows suffering to bring us to his feet, to equip us for his work. He brings us to his feet to fill us, to complete what's next. Scripture isn't telling you to forever sit and do nothing, but tells you at his feet is the place we start. What better location to fall at the feet of Jesus than when we're already weighted, worried, anxious, heavy, and down on our luck. Let's break free of our Martha spirit and routines. Instead, let's become Mary and fall at the feet of Jesus with humility and cling to the one true healing. Thank you.